right, welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Party Fish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all around the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2019 from Seattle, Washington. Today we have here Gustavo Rene. He made a beautiful film called Pakuri. Um, Gustavo, do you want to introduce yourself, kind of like your age, where you're from, and um, just tell us a little bit about the film, if you would. Yeah, uh, so I'm Gustavo Rene. My uh, I was born in New York. My family's from from Paraguay, South America, and um, yeah, this movie. I mean, I've made smaller things before, but I'd say this is probably my first my first real film, uh, and it was made for my my thesis at Western University. Uh, and I'm excited to to talk a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned, I have so many questions on the note of, you know, being from Paraguay and like, so how old were you when you moved here? And then I have questions about like that Paraguayan culture in your family and kind of how, how that inspired this film and like what elements of your childhood and growing up did you pull in? Um, yeah, if you could just kind of talk about your Paraguayan experience and how it inspired the film. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, that well so first of all a little bit on like your first question about mm, how old I was when I moved here etc I was so I was born I was born in Westchester in Portchester New York but so I have three siblings I'm one of four and uh and we moved there's a whole story I don't even need to go in the whole the whole elements all every every you know part of it but uh no I'm curious whatever you want to share I mean I mean I guess we have time so why not but but uh (laughs) But yeah, my both my parents are from Paraguay. Um, my mom's, you know, got eleven siblings, uh, a huge family. The majority of my family lives still in Paraguay, so um, it's that's sort of always been this like double life, this this like home there and home here. Um, but uh, but yeah, we were we were we were all born in New York. We moved to Paraguay a few times and came back. Uh, back in those days, your employer could get you your green card, and so my parents, you know, got their green card from their employer at the time, and we were able to live here. Uh, something that I was like really resentful about as a kid because I just wanted to be with my cousins in Paraguay. But um, but you know, now as a 24 year old, I can look back and say like, you know, I can be super grateful because I did get an opportunity that a lot of my cousins didn't. Uh, you know, just having the, the education here in the U.S. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a big part of my journey. Anyone who knows me just knows I'll talk on and on about about this, uh, about being Paraguayan. But I think that's also just the Paraguayan thing is like this, this super pride in, in, in the culture of being being this sort of uh, like hidden country that not many people know about, you know? Yeah, I read in one of your other interviews, after your Paraguayan heritage. Um, yeah, so... I think that is so, so it's really interesting that you moved back and forth a little bit to me. Um, And then what, on the note of the Paraguayan influence, like why did you choose to write it from a female perspective versus more of your own perspective being a male perspective? What part, yeah, what kind of inspired you to write um, Pakuri's story in particular? Yeah, it's something I kind of uh, battled with a little bit definitely at the beginning until I kind of like fully just uh, embraced it. But, but yeah, it, it was, it's, you know, cause I get into the questions of like, of representation and me as a man, like, can I tell a female story? But, but it was 
completely in a lot of ways Bakuri, the the main character is is almost completely modeled after my sister after my oldest sister um her name is arami who you know i so i have two older sisters then it's me and then i have a younger brother and um you know the this the story is um almost completely their experience uh mainly my oldest sister uh actually the 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 story of like saving up money for the quinceanera um, is one that's common in a lot of Latino households. Um, but it's very specific to, to my sister's own experience that we went back when, when she was turning 15, my parents had saved up for years, uh, you know, a bunch of money in a shoebox, just like in the movie. Uh, they'd come home for work and they'd, you know, they'd take money out of the bank and they'd put cash straight into the shoebox. And, um, you know, my sister was kind of a rebel and, and, and she had this, she had this sort of tough adolescence. Um, and you know, the, the story that you see unfold on the screen is <laughs> like almost, you know, almost exactly what to the, right. Yeah. Almost exactly what happened. I know. I love that you also like have the two brothers, like you literally have yeah. your whole family in there, like the two little brothers on like the video games and like yeah. them playing the soccer in the corner. I really love that kind of as um, just these little nuances. Um, yeah, you had a lot of really great details in that bedroom and with the siblings. And even though it was kind of this smaller part of the story, I feel like that part I really related to like having siblings and like their whole dynamic. I think you did a really great job. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, I mean, uh, you know, on that note, like the, I mean, everything in that house. So like all the production design, uh, in the living room and in the kids' bedroom, I mean, it's all taken from the apartment that we grew up in. So my mom has like boxes and boxes of, of things like like relics that we grew up with like those the blankets you see in that room the toys the the posters everything there is literally from what the the apartment that we grew up in and we 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 same you know we had the same setup like the four of us all lived in that tight in a tight room together with two bunk beds um so so it's like every bit of it felt super real just walking in was kind of emotional and and seeing like like the, the youngest brother is wearing my like they're all my my siblings clothes so like the my the youngest brother's wearing like my brother's jersey from when he was his age you know what i mean uh it says my brother's name on it on the back which is kind of like a small detail but things that obviously i notice and, and other people aren't going to notice but but it's those things that that nobody will pinpoint that feel like super that that add to that like element of truth that you can't really put your thumb on but feel like, like you can sense it you know what i mean because there's so much attention to detail but yeah, I mean, to your point on, on and the last thing I'll say, the point on, on, like, on like telling the story, like to making the protagonist a, a, a female, um, you know, I, my sisters are obviously like role models to me. They're my, they're my older sisters. But uh, yeah, I mean, I will say like I couldn't have written this without them. Uh, every step of the way, like they were my main consultants, you know, so like anytime I was... I had a new draft. They were the first people I sent it to, you know, it was them too. And I wanted to hear what they thought, if, if it felt real, if it felt truthful to their experience growing up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I mean, I feel like having those people as a writer is so freeing and helpful where you're not just sitting there 
trying to make something up that just isn't something you couldn't make up. Right. And mm-hmm. I think, I think it's really interesting. I have so many questions, but um, on the note of like writing autobiographically, I'm curious, even though I guess not, it's like a semi autobiographical um, the, I'm curious, like for your, we'll get to this question later also, but um, you know, your next films, like, are you excited to kind of branch out from that? I feel like that I've also written autobiographical before and it does have a certain weight to it. Um, are you excited to kind of like explore another person's reality on your next projects or or kind of what's your experience with that? Yeah. I mean, my, my next projects are weirdly like, like something I'm working on right now is a documentary. So it's very real. Um, but, but like a lot of the stuff, like one of, one of the things I'm working on right now is this animated, uh, you know, retelling of the first year of my parents' immigration story in America. And so like, that's in, in a lot of ways, not autobiographical, but extremely close to home, you know, it's biographical and extremely close to home. And, and the, like every project I kind of write down and think about is in a lot of ways, even if it's like fictional and, and, and meant to be this character that, that I'm making up in a lot of ways, it, it, it's, it's so rooted in my personal experience. So I don't know. I, I, I will say I have a hard time trying to write like I should, you know, it's something, now you bring it up, it's something I should practice kind of like just freely going into the abyss and like writing, writing just something that's completely outside of my, my realm. But, but I, I definitely tend to stray towards like things that feel extremely personal, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that's smart. I think, from like what I've read and different podcasts I've listened to, obviously, like I think it's really great, like in your youth to like, it's a great place to start because it's like, then you're not trying to write things you can't write, you know? And I feel like this film was so good because of that. Like, I feel like your ability to make it so real was because you weren't scared to use what was so close to home. Um, I also wanted to ask on the note of like how real the whole film feels, which is one of the things I love about it. Um, what was your casting process like? Do you know any of these people? Like it just seemed really intimate. So I'm curious how you found like Gabby Medina, the lead actress did such a great job. I really love her look and also, yeah, just her performance. And so I'm just kind of curious um, how you brought this crew to get casting crew together. Yeah, right. Gabby Medina is amazing. She she really blew me away. Um, I mean, everyone's performance, honestly. But but yeah, it was uh, the casting process was kind of was kind of uh, a hectic mess, um, just because it was like first and foremost, the most imperative thing for me was making sure that every actor was Paraguayan. Like there was no there was there was no way there's no world in which this movie was going to have actors that weren't paraguayan uh and the reason for that is because right for any person who doesn't speak spanish or uh you know is is non is just non-latino like they don't they can't tell the difference really between spanish like like what kind of spanish is spoken but to anyone who is you know is from a spanish-speaking country there's a big difference between you know an argentine a colombian a mexican a paraguayan etc because I mean, yeah. not only culture, but just the language that the way that they're speaking Spanish and Parag- like Paraguayan Spanish specifically, you know, the 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 accent and the mix of the the of the native tongue, which is what I need. They like speak two languages. Right. So that was super important. Like I could not 
sit there and listen to, I mean, I've named so many films that like exploitively, exploitively use, or exploitedly use Paraguayans at, like in the movie. Like, you know, they'll, they'll have a Mexican actress and they'll call her Paraguayan. But like, I, you know, someone like me watching that, it's super offensive. Um, so it's re- it was really important to me to make sure that these characters are Paraguayan. That said, my mom pretty much became my main uh, casting director. Uh, I was at school. Yeah, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. She, I mean, my mom will, will, will do anything like to help me with this sort of stuff. And I can, you know, I, she's a saint, that woman. So, um, yeah, she, she really, she really, really uh, came in clutch in, on this project, especially with the casting. Um, she, like, reached out. I mean, my, the original idea was go to, go to the Paraguayan Cultural Center in, in Queens and put out, put out flyers, et cetera, et cetera. And she ended up just, like, doing everything, reaching out to people on WhatsApp, like, Getting, telling people that we're, you know, we're making a movie and who wants to audition and blah, blah, blah. So I was at school trying to do the pre-production work while she was like WhatsApping me, you know, people's information, photos of people and then their like information. So I was kind of, honestly, I did no auditions. I just, I just like did based off of like looks and, and, and who could wow. fit the part. Uh, based on their height, on their, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not what I would recommend at all for any for any casting situation ever. You're on a deadline, right? Because you had to send it for your uh, thesis, so exactly. you're on a deadline. Exactly. So you're kind of like, but I mean, I just feel like it turned out so good, even you know, considering that. I mean, I'm I'm really surprised to hear that that you did it based on the look. Yeah, I mean. I was sorry, but I mean, I was super impressed. And none of these, none of these actors had ever acted before on film or even in theater. I think maybe Gabby had done one theater performance years ago. The only one who had actually acted was Arturo Rios, the the, the man who played the father, which I think is apparent. But everyone, oh, you know, sad, yeah. yeah. And the the one the woman who played the mom, Carolina de Mestral, like we've known her. My parents have known her since she was a kid. So like, you know, they these are. These are people that that are weirdly like family. Like we've known them forever. Some of them, you know, some of them we didn't, we haven't known, but they're Paraguayan, you know. And so the community is really, really tight knit and small. So, yeah. uh, you know, we're like we have like two degrees of separation from each person, you know. I love that, and I feel like also just like shooting. I mean, yeah, producing something in New York, right? Because this is near New York. I guess that's where Westchester is. That near New York. City? Yeah, it's, it's it's like it's the county just outside New York City, but it was shot in, in Connecticut actually because uh, that's where my, that's where Westian is at. So we had a fifty mile radius that we were allowed to shoot in. Oh, cool! Yeah, because I was just saying, like, just being anywhere near the city, I'm sure just like allowed your mom to find so many more people versus you know being in other places. You know, like I made a film in like Lawrence, Kansas, you know, and it's so hard to cast diversity because it's like oh, Midwest. Sure. Um, um, sure. No, but dude, my mom is a, like again a. a I can't, there's no way I can thank her enough. I mean, she's a woman works seven days a week. She works like three jobs and she's, you know, still going to like reach out to a million people and send them to me to make, like to cast my movie for me. Moms are so amazing. I'm going to, I want to get to this um, important topic. It's one of my favorite things about your film. Uh, it, it, sorry, this is 150% my favorite thing about your film um, that you shot on 16 millimeter. Yeah. Uh, I love the look of this film. It's just, and like the pops and everything. And I'm just kind of curious, like, especially being a young filmmaker, you know, were you scared to shoot on film for this? And what was that experience like? And kind of what did you learn from doing that? 
Totally. Yeah. I mean, so originally, so, so, okay. So first of all, backtrack Wesleyan, uh, like they, they allow you to shoot on 60 millimeter or digital. So you have to choose if you're going to do a, 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 a film thesis, you have to choose whether you're doing 60 millimeter or digital. And originally I had was going to do it on digital just because I was scared to be honest of 60 millimeter. Um, but the more I talked about it with people, the more I thought about the project, the more I realized like it needed to be on 16 millimeter just because like, first of all, you know, what's the point of, uh, you know, I have the option to shoot on 16 millimeter and they have cameras. You're like, why the heck wouldn't I do that? Yeah. One and two, like, you know, it, it, it felt more true to the, to that like idea of nostalgia and memory and telling a story that is so personal, you know, it, it feels like it feels like it's coming out of out of someone's head and not so much from I don't know you know what I'm saying yeah uh, I totally agree with you I think especially like my favorite like the opening scene or the opening sequence where it's like the smoke rolling up and they're laughing and oh my god <laughs> it's so great and I think yeah. you know, I can't picture like that smoke rolling in with that film grain is is really just beautiful beginning and I can't imagine it being yeah it would just be different different film you know it's interesting how much what you shoot on affects like what the film is right you know it's like and then also you did edit this which is so cool um I like I love like I'm super inspired by um the director of the Florida project and stuff like that people who like direct and edit I don't know if you would choose like would you direct and edit again and then also like what was some of your experience editing the film yeah, uh, it's crazy you mentioned Sean Baker, the yeah. director of Florida Project. That's definitely that was one of the, you know, inspirations, one of the influences. Not necessarily that movie specifically, but but Sean Baker as a as a filmmaker and his sort of philosophy and, and the way that he tells the stories. But but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to the point of of sixteen millimeter, I'd say real quick that the the most the what's so special about sixteen millimeter is that is not only aesthetically can you not mimic that that like not just 16 millimeter 35 or 65 or whatever you can't mimic that that look of film one but more importantly i think that it's a it's a workflow and not just an aesthetic right it's like when i'm going into into the day uh on set like i have to know everything i want to get of course you have to be open to you know situations going wrong of course which always happens and having to like kind of improvise but like but I had to be super prepared because I don't have, because every time you hear the film rolling, you just like hear money burning. You know what I mean? Uh, totally. But, but yeah, the, the editing process was honestly super fun. I had to, I, I got to do that a lot. You know, I mean, I had, I had my, my advisor, but I got to do it alone a lot, you know? So it was mainly by myself in this editing on a flatbed on a steam back, uh, you know, in a dark room for hours on end, you know, for weeks at a time. Um, but yeah, it was, it was super, uh, you know, people can be really messy, uh, cause I'm sharing steam backs with, with a bunch of people and people make a mess. I'm extremely meticulous about my, about being organized, but still 12 minutes of film. And it felt like so almost impossible to organize everything. Cause you have to organize your sound roles. You have to organize everything that you're cutting. You have to make sure you know what you're cutting, when you're cutting, you have to label everything. You can't just like, like, cause then film strips go, you know, go missing and you don't know where anything ends up. 
But uh, but yeah, it's a whole thing that I doubt I'll ever do again. But it makes me think about like you know when people edited movies, you know, feature films before you know the digital age. They were you know people still do this like Walter Murchison stuff. You know people people editing on on you know with with film on a steam bag on a flatbed still exists. But like it's a crazy person's uh, you know paradise, not for me. <laughs> but it was super exciting. It was fun to do it. I don't know if I'll ever do it again, but it was. It was definitely fun. Don't get me wrong. I think that everything I, I shoot on, I, I'm like addicted to to you know, film. I don't think I can shoot digitally, to be honest. I think that oh, it's okay. but, but the the editing on a steam back on a flatbed is not necessarily something I want to do again. Because now I mean, you don't have to. But but Wesleyan, if you were shooting on film, uh, the university sort of made that a requirement uh, that if you were shooting on like. Sorry to interrupt you. But yeah, yeah Cohen brothers, they shoot on film, but they get it like scanned. They, yeah, they get it stamped. Yeah. So like yeah. I see totally. Okay. Totally. I'll scan it and edit on Premiere or whatever, you know, Avid or whatever in any day. But editing on a Steam Deck again is, you know, I maybe I'll do it again. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I'm not I'm not opposed. What was working with your cinematographer, Lucy Plass, like? Um, did you have any films you wanted her to emanate in particular? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about Sean Baker. Um, you know, I, people like Sean Baker and Andrea Arnold. You know, not necessarily her like you know American Honey, but like Fish Tank and her short, you know, The Wasp and things like this were definitely like in our you know wheelhouse and what we were thinking about. But and you talk about the realism of this film, but but I think that they didn't really fully nail everything that I was going for. It's not like I get, this this movie isn't necessarily rooted completely in realism because there is a sense of of memory of like and memory is is fabricated in, in a lot of ways because we don't remember things perfectly uh you know things are things get filtered in in our memory and so i think that so much of this movie mimics that idea mimics this idea of like like my memory being not fully there but 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 there and that's why i chose to shoot on 16 millimeter it's also why i think I didn't have many. I didn't have a lot of influences. It's weird because usually I have a million, but with this movie, it was like I had. A, I kind of had the whole movie in my head already because it was based in 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 my actual memories of my childhood. And so I don't know. There were there were some there were some things. I think movies like uh, you know We the Animals is also an aesthetic uh, inspiration. But but to be honest, it was it was me and Lucy just kind of sitting down for you know till five in the morning one night. And it, which was uh, also not recommended to ask your DP to do, but um, but yeah, sitting till sitting up till five in the morning, kind of sh- like shot listing this whole movie together, and you know none of it we can't even remember like none of it came from an actual movie that we were trying to mimic or anything, but it was mostly just like us kind of talking it out and saying like yeah this feels right this feels right you know yeah absolutely it's it's really cool how the the script speaks for itself in a lot of ways when you're in that process. Mm. So um, on the um, finishing the interview, um, I want to ask you, um, you've talked about a documentary you're working on. Could you um, tell us more about the documentary you're working on and um, also let us know um, where people can watch the film? Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, did, I never intended this documentary to be anything that like I would, I would, share with the world as much but uh but yeah i mean it's it's cool it's something that it it's has to do with a specific tradition um within the paraguayan community and 
basically the idea is to to kind of touch upon the immigration story through this specific tradition. Uh, that's the very vague explanation, but um, it's a short documentary. Uh, I may be submitting it to festivals soon, um, so we'll see. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep people posted, but uh, but yeah, I think that in the the immigration story of my parents and then also planning to uh, go to Paraguay in the next year or so and, and start developing a feature film. So um, that's what I'm really excited about. We'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, so yeah, people- yeah, I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, and then can you tell us about um, obviously Pakuri is um, currently on nobudge.com. Um, can you talk a little bit about just like getting on no budge and, um, yeah, let people know that where they can see it on no budge. Yeah. Check it out on, go to no budges page and you can look up, uh, you can look up a query. Let me see. Let me see the, uh, if you type in like no budge.com slash Pakuri, <laughs> that should work. So oh, yeah. no slash main slash pakuri there you go exactly you know better than i do so so uh yeah that's uh it was really cool um working with uh with the people at no budge was uh they, they were super um accommodating and and helpful just like the people at nifty um and uh and yeah it's it was cool to get you know do an interview and and have it posted on no budge it's something that i just just like nifty that i that i like you know, I love, I love looking at the, the latest movies on there and, uh, and, and it was cool to just see my, my movie and my, my name up there as well. So, uh, check it out on, on no budge if you have time. Yeah. And, um, on a final note, where can people follow you if they want to keep up to date on your upcoming projects? Do you have like a social media plug you want to give? Yeah, they could check out my Insta- follow me on Instagram. It's Gustavo R Sanabria. That's S A N A B R I A. But and I guess my Vimeo, uh, which is you can just vimeo.com slash Gustavo Rene. Uh, yeah, check, check me out. <laughs> yeah, check him out. Check Gustavo out. Um, it was so nice talking to you, Gustavo. I could honestly ask you so many more questions and I could, I love, I'm just, I'm really excited to see what you come up with, with this feature. Um, you're obviously a super talented fella. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Kaylee. And yeah, I mean, it feels weird. I feel like I'm usually the one asking questions when I'm in a conversation. So, uh, so I, I, I do want, I want, I won't feel like I want to get to know you and, and get to know your, your experience and, and, and everything. So, uh, anyway, thank you so much for, for letting me, have the platform and and be able to talk. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Nifty 2019, the talented youth and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at Nifty Film. For more podcasts from Party Fish Media, search Party Fish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or follow us on social media at Party Fish Media. Fish media.
Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.